Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Great to have you with us here on the GM Shuffle. Uh, there's always something happening in the world of football. We got people who were messaging us saying, hey, what happened to the Shuffle? Well, of course, we had to just wait for the schedule to be released. Only, by the, before we get into it, Mike, by the way, can you think of any other sport in which the schedule gets this kind of hype? A three-hour show on NFL Network, ESPN coverage. A schedule. There's nobody playing. There's nobody being drafted. It's just, hey, Jets, Packers. I can't think of anything else that rivals this. This is why football is king. It, it is the ultimate king. I mean, you know, and and most of the people in the league, if you're in the league, the schedule is so insignificant. You know who you're playing. <laughs> like the only, there's a couple things you're looking at, right? Who do we open up with? And, you know, when's our bye, right? And, and where are there teams that we play that we're familiar with in terms of, you know, if we play... If we play the Raiders, do we play the Cowboys because they're going to run the same defense? You know, it's kind of shit like that. So, you know, whereas the fans, I mean, this is incredible because I think part of it too, though, is there's this allure with fans about where they, you know, the, the schedule and where they can go visit their team. Like, you know, the other day, this is this is what makes America so great. So, you know, where I live in Ocean City, they're repaving the roads, Okay. And the, and I live in a neighborhood, and so because we're 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 right near the beach, that the sometimes if there's flooding or something, so they had to kind of rearrange the thing. I don't know what the hell they were doing. I have no idea. I can't hammer a nail. But anyway, so they're out, they're out there repaving the street and helping the drainage. So I see this this kid with the with an LSU hat on, and I'd like to start talking to him. We start. He's a huge Viking fan, right? Listens to the pod. Huge Viking fan. He couldn't wait for the schedule to come out. Why? Because he wants to book his trip to go to to go to Minnesota to watch the Vikings. Jason, he <laughs> wants to go see his Vikings team play. He wants to go to Lambeau Field and watch the Packers play. I mean, I think that's what it is. It's a little bit of a. It's an escapism. It's three hours of okay. Where are we going to go? You know, where are we going? Yeah, especially after the year that we've had in which you couldn't go anywhere and hopefully the players by September are not going to be worried about nasal swabs and changing travel plans and having NFL games on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. So we're going to plan our lives around football as always and let's get into some games that really stand out. Let's go to the first one. Of course, Mike, everyone's saying, hey, Tom Brady, returning to Foxborough. Week four, Bucks at Patriots. Again, I'm hoping it's a crazy madhouse. I'm hoping it's packed, frenzied fans. That atmosphere is going to be nothing short of electric. Right. Try to get a ticket for that game, huh? <laughs> I mean, that's the other thing. I mean, what do you think those scalpers are going to get those tickets for? I mean, what, the stadium holds like 75,000? They'll be, you know, 10 years from now, there'll be 150,000 people tell you, you know, I was at that Brady game when he came back. I was at the... <laughs> Right, I paid $3,000 for a ticket, but it was worth it. I'm like, oh, sure you did. I mean, how about NBC? I mean, they get the, how did they get that game? I thought, you know, I thought for sure CBS would have said, hey, the one game we want is this game. Like, that's the only game we want on the schedule. What do you think the ratings for that game is going to be? What do you think it's going to cost to advertise week four of the NFL season for that game? I mean, that's going to be... I don't want to. I don't want to overemphasize it, but I mean, it's going to be almost like it's going to be playoff numbers, right? I mean, I promise you that that'll be the most watched show of NBC or CBS or ABC of the of any show of the year. 
It has to be, right? Think about it. Regular season games, right? 10 million, 15 million, 20 million. Playoff games are going 25 million, 30 million. Like that's the kind of numbers you're talking about watching. As you said, a regular season game. Like a part of me was hoping it would be like week 16, right? It's cold at Foxborough, maybe a little snow. We'll get that kind of element into it. But week four, and you're right, NBC schedule, like not to get too much in the TV stuff, but every time I go, Fox, okay, they'll get their big games, but they have to hope the NFC East is good. Like Fox is always impacted by, are the Cowboys good? Are the Eagles good? Are the Giants good? Otherwise, the Fox's schedule looks terrible. Whereas NBC, like, man, the flex schedule is one thing. Sure, in December, we know they'll get the great games, but that's week four. Like Al Michaels is like, all right, let's do this, baby. I mean, yeah, get me booked at the Four Seasons in Boston. I'm ready to go. <laughs> I mean, how about the Bucks? The Bucks play, the Bucks play the, the, the Bucks play the, the Rams in Los Angeles the week before, right? So they go Tampa to the Rams, long trip. They come back to Tampa. Then they go up to New England. I mean, that's, you know, those are pretty, and then they got a home game against Miami, and then they come back to Philly. I mean, so that they didn't make it easy on the Bucs to start the season off. Look, there'll be no game on the Bucs schedule that'll be easy because when you're the champ, Everybody's coming at you. You know, it's like what 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 they say when you come at the king, you best not miss. I mean, they are the king, and you best not miss. This is the GM Chef, where you get references to The Sopranos and The Wire. Omar, you're right. You come at the king, you best not miss. Cowboys at Buccaneers, right out of the gate. That's a season opener. This one's interesting, Mike, just because you always want to kick off the season. What are we going to get? Of course, Super Bowl champions, but a healthy Dak Prescott, and that's what you put in quotations. Is he going to be healthy? I'm not calling it a make or break year for the Cowboys, but Dak Prescott's got something to prove, and so does Jerry Jones for giving him all this money. Yeah, 40 million. He better be healthy. I mean, he better be healthy against uh, one thing we know for sure with the three preseason games, with the three preseason games, you know teams are going to be really careful about their veteran players. I think what we're going to see in September is a really a almost a hockey type mentality where we're, they're going to roll a lot of players in and out. I think you're going to use your roster more in September than ever before because you have to, because the season's so long. And here's how I think I would deal with 17 games. So let's just say, other than the quarterback, let's say Zeke Elliott, he played last year, he played 1,200 plays, let's say. Let's just say he played 1,200, whatever the plays. So there's 60 plays a game. You know, Let's say they had 1,200 offensive snaps, just for example. And Zeke played these plays. If I were running a team, I would tell the coach, look, let's keep the play count to the same number as it was in 16 games. And let's rotate them more. And that means it might mean five less plays each game right? It's only so five less plays over 16 weeks is how many, you know, we're talking about, that's a lot of plays, right? So what we have to do is find a way to substitute five less plays for these skill players. So we cut down on them. The same thing with defensive linemen. It's hard to do with offensive linemen. It's hard to rotate offensive linemen, but you know, you're only looking to grab five plays here and there during the game. So you could cut down the guy's season. You want to cut down a season. You want to keep it as a 16 game. Remember, it's not how many games you play. It's how many plays you play. And I think if you do the math on that, I think that's going to be the teams that are healthier in December and January as we stretch the season on, and they'll be able to make the playoff run. Because look, there's some teams, AD, look, look, at, look, at, look at the Washington football team schedule. They go week 14, they're home at Dallas. They go to Philly. They go to Dallas. They home against Philly, and they go to the Giants. I mean, that's basically going to determine whether they win the East, right? That last part of the season, it's going to determine whether they win the East. And if they do a good job of protecting their team all the way through, there you go. You could be healthy for that game.
I love the hockey analogy, though. You're right. NHL playoffs start this Saturday. You're shifting guys in and in short shifts rather than wearing guys out. Keep them fresh. Again, you look at some notable games, especially with these young quarterbacks. Week one, Jets at Panthers. So Sam Darnold right away scoring off against his former team and rookie quarterback Zach Wilson. And Jaguars at Bengals. Trevor Lawrence versus Joe Burrow. If you love young quarterbacks, Mike, those two games are going to be fun to watch. Yeah, and let's hope Joe Burrow is ready for it. Let's hope he's ready for the opener of the season. You know, I think that's the key question is, and if I were coaching, I would err on the side of caution in September. Like I would take the first month of the season and say, look, let's just make sure if we're two and two coming out of the blocks here, we're fine. We're in good shape. We're like the, you know, you know, we're coming around the first bend of the of the of the horse race. We just got to be in perfect position. What team goes four and zero in September that really is strong at the end? Look at Pittsburgh last year. They go ten and zero and they fell apart. So let's build something here as we're going, and as we do that, I think that's perfect. But I think we got to be healthy. I think we've said this before on the GM Shuffle. There's a difference between being cleared to play and being healthy to play. I mean, we saw that with Alex Smith last year. They cleared him to play, but I didn't think Alex Smith was healthy to play. So, you know, it's all different things. And I think that's what you have to look at September. September management to me is going to be the critical component of how people view the season. Later in the season, week 16, Jaguars at the Jets. So that's going to be Trevor Lawrence against Zach Wilson. Week seven, you got Matthew Stafford's Rams and Jared Goff's Lions. They're scoring off for the first time since that team swapped quarterbacks. And how about this one in week eight? 49ers at the Bears. On paper, it's Jimmy Garoppolo and Andy Dalton, but it could be Justin Fields versus Trey Lance. Again, as you said, Mike, healthy, young quarterbacks, but that's something that gets everyone excited about if you can see Fields versus Lance in week eight. You know, I think if I were the Bears, I would play Justin Fields from day one. I really would. I, I don't know why I'm messing around with Andy Dalton. I mean, Andy Dalton's like having a pair of twos in a Texan Hold'em game, right? You're never going to win the hand. <laughs> what are you going to be with your Andy Dalton? Like, seriously, where, where are we going with Andy Dalton? You know, it's that old saying, we're lost but making great time. You know, I mean, you're lost. It's so what? You're making great time. Who cares? You know, it's like, he's, we're, we're not going to win with him. And we're not good enough. We're not good enough that we need him to be a Super Bowl team. It's different. Jimmy Garoppolo, the 49ers think they could, they went to a Super Bowl with Garoppolo, right? So they think they can get there with Garoppolo and they'll sprinkle Trey Lance in. But the reality of it is, is where are we going in Chicago? We, our offensive line situation has been a disaster. We got, we let go of both tackles who were not very good last year. Now, Tevin Jenkins is going to start at left tackle. Elijah Wilkerson, is he the starting right tackle? I mean, Think about it. If, if we put that on a tri- on a Jeopardy question, you know, starting right tackles for the Bears, you think anybody would get that right? No chance. No chance. So, so all right, we got our offensive lines in flux. We really don't know where we're going. And the reality of it is, is we have to, you know, we have to show improvement. And the only way we can really demonstrate improvement is by letting fields get all the reps. What I don't think people understand about the quarterback position in the NFL is it's like learning a different language. Right. So when you learn a language, you have to immerse yourself in that language. That's why when you move to different countries, you learn it because you're immersed in it. And because of the way the college game is, there's so much looking at the sideline, looking at the board that's got Mike at Mike Myers, Austin Powers picture on it, or it's got, you know, some cartoon character over there. Right. It, it, and so everybody looks towards the sideline and everybody gets the play from looking at the sideline. Whereas in the NFL, you have to command the language. That's why when you used to watch Gruden in the, quarter, in the quarterback meeting room when he would have his quarterback school, he wanted the quarterback to tell him the, tell him the verbiage back because he was trying to teach him a language. And the sooner you get fields to learn the language, the better he's going to be. 
or at least the better you're going to be able to know what he can and can't do come playoff time. Yeah, you already know Andy Dalton's stat line. 14 of 26, one touchdown, one interception, nothing of significance, uh, sacked four times, probably a couple of misreads. Like the, You're right, you already know what you're getting, and uh, honestly, it's, it's serviceable at best. Last thought on the schedule, then we'll move on to other topics. I'm always amused, Mike, when people look at the schedule now and say, wow, that's a really tough schedule for them, or that's a really soft schedule. How the hell do you know? There's so much turnover from year to year. Like I, I think I have an idea, but injuries impact so many things. Team... If you asked me a year ago, Minnesota Vikings are going to be a great team. They had a terrible year. So I'm amused by the next few days you're going to hear people saying, oh, man, 49ers got a tough schedule. You have no idea what you're talking about. No. I mean, it's like, look, I mean, you're driving to the stadium and you're getting ready to play the Packers and Aaron Rodgers is still out in California. Are you worried? I mean, seriously, are you worried about that game? I'm not. I mean, I got Jordan Love. Let's go, baby. Or I got, we'll figure, I got my man Blake Bortles. Can't wait to see that, right? I mean, like, seriously, you're going ready to play a team that doesn't have their starting quarterback. The schedule is all about quarterback. So, like, if you're a fan, right, you're like Jason from the Vikings. What you do is you look at your team. You look at your team schedule and you write down the quarterbacks. Who are we playing? And how are we playing them? In what order do we play them? For example, if you're the Chargers and you're a Charger fan, right? You open the season up in Washington. Okay, not bad. You get Ryan Fitzy. He could be hot. He could be really cold. It depends, right? If we hit him or not. But then here, if you're Brandon Staley, here's what worries you the most. You go Dak Prescott, you go Patrick Mahomes, you go Derek Carr, you go Baker Mayfield, and then Lamar Jackson before you get to a bye in week seven. Like that's murder's row right there. Like if you don't, that's really good quarterbacking play that you got to face week in and week out. Is it doable? Yeah, of course you got to play them. But then after the bye, they play New England and Philly. If you would have sprinkled New England in instead of Mahomes and Philadelphia in instead of the Browns, you're saying, well, that, you know, at least we get a break from playing a dominant quarterback every week. That's where the schedule really matters. And so don't look at the team's name. Look at the quarterback, right? You know, Arizona opens up with at Ryan Tannehill. They go to Kirk Cousins. Then they go to Trevor Lawrence, rookie. Then they go out to Justin Herbert. Then they got Jimmy Garoppolo. Then they got Baker Mayfield. Then they got week seven, Houston. Who knows who's going to be there? Then they got Green Bay. Who knows who's going to be there? Then they go to San Francisco week nine. Who knows who's going to be there? Then they got Carolina, Sam Darnold. You see what I'm saying? I mean, that's how to look at the schedule. You write the quarterback's name down, and then ultimately those names could possibly become eliminated due to injury or other circumstances. So we know the quarterbacks are going to be key. Speaking of former quarterbacks, Tim Tebow going to be playing for his hometown team, just not as a quarterback. Yep. It's not a headline from The Onion. It's actually happening. The Jacksonville Jaguars expected to sign the 33-year-old Tim Tebow to a one-year contract to play tight end a position he has never played in high school, college, or his previous three-year NFL career. He's being reunited with Jaguars coach Urban Meyer, who coached Tebow at Florida, won a pair of natural championships, excuse me, national championships with the Gators. The Jags already have five tight ends on their roster. Chris Manhurts, James O'Shaughnessy, Luke Farrell, Ben Ellison, and Tyler Davis. Tebow grew up in Jacksonville, and eventually, obviously, signed with Meyer in Florida in December of 05. Uh, it, this is eliciting eye rolls everywhere, Mike. Listen, Tim Tebow's a wonderful guy. He's a great human. He's done a lot of great charitable work. I appreciate his perseverance. I appreciate the fact he tried to make it with the New York Mets, uh, attempted to get into the league when baseball did not work out. Now he's going to football, but everyone is rolling their eyes at this. What was your reaction when you heard it? 
John Updike has a great line, the American novelist and poet. I wrote about this next week for The Daily Coach, and he has a great line. I don't know if anybody's read John Irving. John Updike, I mean, he won the Pulitzer Prize for fiction. He wrote all those Run, Rabbit, Run series, and he says, the mask eats the face. We all develop a mask in our lives, uh, created by our profession, created by our success, created by social media, whatever it is, the mask. We put it on our face, and then it eats the face. Like Tim Tebow has this mask. There's Tim Tebow, the ESPN created person. And then there's Tim Tebow, the civilian. And Tim Tebow, this conglomerate of I need all this attention, is eating away at the human being. You know, you said he's a great human being. Well, if he was a great human being, he wouldn't be so self-indulgent. Like, seriously, you're 33 years old. You've never played tight end before. Like, what gives you the right to use your connections to go in there? And why is why is Urban Meyer even thinking about this? Like, it makes no sense at all. Why are we, what are, what's the upside here? Tell me what the upside. Look, here's what I think everybody has to understand. Whenever you make a decision, you know, whatever you look into something that you want to do, whether it's run an NBA team, whether it's run an NFL team, whether it's run a, a, a high school, whatever it is, okay, you, you should always follow the WWHTBT. This is Roger Martin, who's one of the great writers on business of all time. He comes up with this. Anytime you make a decision, you always have to question what would have to be true for this to be, be effective. Like, what would have to be true for Tim Tebow to be effective? And there's nothing that you could possibly think would be true to make this effective. Where are you going with this? He's 33 years old. So if he can play for 10 plays, like seriously, what you're paying, you're paying above minimum salary contract because he's going to be, he's been in the league, so he's vested. So he's going to make a million dollars for a backup. He's not going to play in the kicking game. Like, where are we going with this? Why? Just to feed the ego of Tim Tebow? Like, seriously, it's, a, it's, it's the most ridiculous story you could possibly have. Like, I don't give a shit. He's 33 years old. You know, somebody, that, he ever follow that Sports 70 guy on Twitter? Uh, he's hysterical. I mean, he's so funny. So funny, yeah. He's hysterical. I would love to get him on the podcast. He's hilarious. But anyway, you know, he put out there, if Tim Tebow decided to start playing the, the, the trombone, you know, he would expect to be getting the goddamn Philharmonic Symphony. Like, seriously, like, who is this guy? Like, it's not like he's an elite athlete. It's not like he won the 100 meters in Tokyo. It's not like he is like this unbelievable. He's not Deion Sanders. He runs this fast. It's not like he's had Michael Jordan's success in one sport. He wants to try something else. He's Tim fucking Tebow. Like, enough already. Like, you're supposed to be this great human being, and yet your mask is eating the face. And we're letting it happen. How many people you think are going down to cover Jacksonville if he signs there? Oh. ESPN, the worldwide leader, will have fucking a thousand people down there. They'll have a, all, all we'll see on Sports Center is, oh my God, Tim Tebow's trying here. He caught three passes today. Like, who gives a fuck? Like, who cares? It's Tim Tebow. He can't play anymore. Like, it's over. Tim, go on. Do your charity stuff. Accept who you are as a human being. You're not the player anymore. Like, like, seriously, you want to play in the NBA? Okay, let's see if we get a tryout in the NBA. Like, why does Tim Tebow have all these rights and poor Colin Kaepernick can't get a job? Well, that's the other part of it. I mean, yeah, no, you're 100% right, Mike. When I looked at it, I go, listen, I, I don't think Colin Kaepernick at this point particularly 
is ready enough to be strong enough or good enough to be a starting quarterback, but certainly in the league. I'm like, are you kidding me? You know how many backup quarterbacks are pretty lousy and Cap can't get a job? And Tim Tebow is going to be what? A Taysom Hill tight end? Like, I'll be shocked if he even makes the roster. And my issue is that it's Urban Meyer who's enabling him. And you're right about ESPN. Could you imagine if he makes the team, the coverage is going to be nauseating. Skip Bayless on Fox won't stop talking about Tebow. It'll be so obnoxious. I was doing Fox one day and and the subject of Tebow came up and I and and I, and I love Skip and and Shannon and I just made the comment before I got off the air I'm like, you know, everybody has a perception of Tebow, it's completely wrong. Like like this perception and and the next day we we had this conversation about Tim and look, Tim is a human being. There, there's two Tims here. There's two faces as Springsteen once said, there's two faces have I. There's Tim Tebow, the media creation, the mask, and then there's Tim Tebow the person, right? So like why are we dealing with it? He's not an elite athlete. Like he, if he was going to change the tight end, he should have done it when he went to New England, or he should have done it when he was cut from Denver. Like now at thirty-three years old, and what do you think at Urban Meyer? First of all, you're paying a salary to a guy who then is going to hit you with you're going to get workers' comp claims because it's the last team he goes to, so you're going to get hit with shit like that, and then you're going to pay him this salary. And what do we go? What's the reward? Like seriously, what is the upside to doing this? You're going to piss off your team. You're going to create the, this division in your locker room because you're helping your pet your pet out, you know, the guy that helped you. Like, make him a coach. Tell him to start breaking film down if he wants to be part of it. But he don't want to be part of it. He wants to be the star. He wants to create. Like, the fact that he got a baseball tryout is ridiculous. Like, can you imagine that? Like, it's like, you know, like... The, again, you can relate everything to the Sopranos, right? Like, like Tony, they used to, like Tony's lawyer used to say all the time to him, the FBI is a business, Tony. They're, they're only going to invest in things that they can get something back on. The NFL is a business. If we invest in Tim Tebow, what are we getting back? We're not a charity. You know, we're not, we're not running St. Jude's Hospital where we're trying to raise money for the kids here. That would be wonderful if we did that. That would be wonderful. If Tim Tebow donated all his money back, I'd be all for it. But this isn't about this is about him satisfying his ego and the fuel and the train just keeps letting him do it. Like, how did he get to be the chosen one? That's what I want to know. <laughs> the enabling, like you said, is just at a peak level. And the problem is it's not going away, especially if he makes the team. God forbid. I, I, I can't imagine making the team. That's my bottom line on this, Mike. Okay. He can't make the team, AD. There's no fucking way. In fact, every player on the team will want to punch him in the mouth and want to kick the shit out of him. Like, <laughs> enough that you think I'm you think I've had enough of them? How about the poor guy who's working his ass off just to try to get to camp. And here comes Tim Tebow, 33 years old. Here's some kid who's working his ass off trying to get in camp. He can't get a gig. And here comes Tim Tebow, who's never played tight end before, you know, because he had success in Florida. Like, I don't really give a shit. Like, that's, re remember this. Remember when's the lowest form of conversation. Yes. There nice. it is right there. <laughs> yes, there it is. Perfect. That is the perfect way to end. If you know what we're talking about, you know about Paulie and Tony's conversation, the final season, the Sopranos. Uh, one more topic. We'll take a quick break. Last week, Mike was talking about the Saints, not only trying to grab a cornerback, but trying to get ahead of the Patriots to select Alabama quarterback Mac Jones, who went number 15 overall to New England. So instead of trading away ample capital to move up, they remained at pick number 28, and they selected defensive lineman Peyton Turner. So at quarterback, it looks like it's Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill, obviously with Drew Brees retiring. They did select a quarterback in Notre Dame's Ian Book, but let's just go back to that conversation, Mike. What happened with the Saints? Why didn't they move up to get Mac Jones? Well, they, they kept trying and they couldn't get in there, right? They couldn't get in. The Jets paid. The Jets had 
the agreement with Minnesota. They couldn't get into Minnesota's spot. Minnesota didn't want to go as far back as they could. New England wasn't going to trade that pick. They were waiting for Mac Jones. Now, I kept saying after the draft, well, I mean, Bill, again, demonstrating patience. He didn't move up. I, I would have thought I would have moved up. But maybe he could even have moved up. Where was he going to go? He couldn't go to 11. The Bears traded next year's one away. He couldn't go to 12 because the Cowboys were not moving off of Parsons. He couldn't go to 13 because the Chargers weren't moving off of Slater. Sometimes you can't get into these spots because teams won't move off the player. And I think that's what happened to the Saints. And then they just had to sit there. I think the Saints were definitely, definitely, as as Larry Holder from at the Athletic on, on the Saint, he he very everybody knows the Saints were trying to get up to get Mac. It's just they couldn't get there. It's going to be a transition year now for the Saints. Without your breeze, it's going to be an awfully different feel. Again, going back to our point, before when you look at the schedule, you circle the quarterback. Now you go, hmm, Jameis Winston, Taysom Hill, going to be a different challenge now for Sean Payton. After the break, the Aaron Rodgers saga continues. Devontae Adams' recent comments, and they sign a quarterback. Who is it? Will it make an impact? We'll tell you next. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, these second-round playoffs have been unreal, and we have the conference finals now on the horizon. Make sure you get all those futures bets in before the value disappears. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets in. Instantly, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SHUFFLE. That's code SHUFFLE for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please pay responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Well, this Aaron Rodgers story is not going away anytime soon. It's going to impact lots of different people. Just like with Tim Tebow, we mentioned the collateral damage, the collateral impact. Well, how about the impact with the Packers? Devontae Adams in the final year of his contract. And if Aaron Rodgers is done in Green Bay, that could complicate things for Adams in Wisconsin, which he alluded to on Fox Sports Radio this week. That's the, the only guy that I've had, um, you know, other than that um, 2017 season when he got hurt. It's the, it's the only guy that I played with him. Um, you know, we built up a special connection over the years that has made it, you know, put us both in really good positions in our career. Um, you know, not that he needed me to come along for it because he was already in that spot, but we established a lot together. So it would change a lot, man. Um, you know, doesn't mean potentially I'd be gone, but, um, you know, I definitely have to do some extra thinking if, if my guy wasn't here. And so now the question becomes this. Adams caught 115 passes, 1,374 yards, 18 touchdowns last season. He's in the final year of a four-year, $58 million deal. So with an average salary of $14.5 million per year, he slipped to number 15 on the receiver pay scale. He said he's talked with Rodgers a little bit, Mike. He's not going to go into details. But what happens now for Devontae Adams if Rodgers sits out or leaves Green Bay? 
you know, Devontae Adams is going to be looking for somewhere to go. I mean, obviously, if Rodgers sits out, they'll, they'll, they're going to franchise Devontae Adams. I mean, they got to keep their best players around, right? So there's no way they're going to not, not have him. But my, my sense of this is, is, you know, is where is this all going to go? Where can this end up? I, I just don't know. Uh, you know, I, I mean, they're trying to pay him back. They're trying to give them more money. They're trying to pay, you know, to to take care of them. Does that does that work? Does that satisfy them? I thought Mike Holmgren's comments were right. I mean, again, it goes back to what I've been saying all along. Because they don't have an owner, they have no sensitivity towards the situation. And they don't have anybody who was monitoring the situation. You know, Holmgren's like, I would have never let this happen on my watch. And I think he's right. I think Mike's right. Mike would have had a relationship with Aaron Rodgers that transcended player coach. It would have been friend. They would have talked. They would have been able to go off the record. They would have been able to, hey, this is what I'm, this is what I'm worried about. I mean, that's the kind of thing you have to have, you know? So I, I just don't. I just don't know where this ends. I don't think the Packers will trade him. I really don't. I don't think Mark Murphy wants to have that blood on his hands because this is all Murph. I mean, every poor, I feel I feel really bad for Brian Gutekist. I mean, he's taking all the heat and Rodgers wants him. I mean, does anybody not understand that it's the president of the team, the way he arranged the team? It's him. It's him. You know, and, and anybody who knows, anybody's in the league, they know it. The, the people, I, I, I think if you would give Mike McCarthy truth serum, Mike McCarthy would tell you who the problem is, just like I'm telling you who the problem is. That's why you listen to the GM Shuffle, because we're not going to sugarcoat it. We're going to tell you the truth. So I think that's the issue, and Murphy's got to figure out how to do it. What I love, though, AD, I got to tell you, what I love, and I got to chuckle, my man Jim Dixon from London sent me a text earlier this morning You know when he saw it. It's just, it, it, it just makes our show so much better that we could have Blake Bortles back, don't you think? <laughs> Yeah, let's get into Blake Bortles, baby. Because if you look at the Packers, you go, all right, hey, what's going to... Jordan Love, as Mike said, obviously would be the guy, but they needed another quarterback. Hey, guess what? We're going to bring in Blake Bortles. They only have two quarterbacks in the roster, Rodgers and Jordan Love. They got two quarterbacks coming in for this weekend's rookie minicamp on a tryout basis, Chad Kelly and Kurt Benkert. So that means, yes, the 29-year-old Bortles is in, connection to the offensive coordinator, Nathaniel Hackett. The two were together with the Jaguars from 2015 to 2018. To remind you about Bortles, Third pick in the 2014 NFL Draft. He last played in a regular season game during the 2019 season. He's had stints with the Broncos and the Rams as a backup. He was a practice squad guy uh, with Denver. I mean, seriously, if we talk about Andy Dalton being underwhelming, what do you think your cousin or friend is going to think about when you tell him, hey, Blake Bortles to the Packers? He's coming over today. I can't wait. He's working on the outdoor kitchen. I can't wait for his ass to get over here so I can yes. take my Blake Bortles jersey out and wear it around the wear it around yes. while he's working on the kitchen. I mean, shit, I can't wait for that. I mean, so this is why the NFL is so fucked up, right? Like, okay. Nathaniel Hackett, good young coach. I work with his dad, Paul. I love Paul. Paul's one of the great human beings. Uh, learned a lot from Paul. Nathaniel's, you know, the a product of his father. Learned a lot of football, West Coast offense. But Nathaniel, poor Nathaniel, gets fired after this after they make their run. And they lose that, you know, Blake underthrows the seven cut up in New England, which is on third down. New England wouldn't have gotten the ball back if they complete it. But the, after he makes that mistake, he doesn't make that throw there. New England comes down and wins the game. All right. So the next season, poor Nathaniel Hackett, he gets his ass fired, you know, because Blake is Blake. You know, there's a long list of guys up on Boot Hill that Blake got fired. Trust me on that. Now, Blake's got Blake killed a lot of them thanks to uh, David Blaine Caldwell because Blaine kept thinking that it was never Blake's fault, right? That's how good Blaine was. So anyway, so Nathaniel gets fired because of Bortles. The world turns 
And now, you know, they need a quarterback. Well, let's bring Blake in. He knows what to do. He might know what to do. He can't do it. Like, he can't do it. This is where the voice of reason has to come in. Like, at some point, look, no, we're not bringing Blake in, okay? Because if we put Blake in the game, we suck, right? So why should we do that? Like, let's get somebody else in here who might know what to do, who might, we could teach him what to do. Like, it's only May. We got plenty of time to teach somebody the offense. Like, we don't need somebody who knows what to do. It's it's what, it's the bus player, right? I wrote about it in Gridiron Genius. You know, this, the, 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 the team will never get to the stadium if this certain player isn't on the bus. He tells the bus driver where to go. That's that's the key. Oh, we can't win without that guy. You know, we can't win without that guy. We can't win without that guy. I mean, like, Nathaniel, Blake, Blake got you fired. Like, why would you even want him back? Like, like, move on. Go make another album. Like, go put out another album. Like, why do we keep writing the same songs? Yeah, it's just nonsensical, the fact that Bortles <laughs> is even there. But it's a good punchline. And like you said, if the Packers actually have to use him, listen, if, if Rodgers isn't there, they trade him. Jordan loves the guy. But if he gets hurt, hey, hey, Blake Bortles time. You never know. Um, the other part of this, and of course, the gambling aspect, which you always get here in the GM shuffle, the sports books cashing in on the speculation about wondering where Rodgers is going to go. Denver Broncos have strong odds. Bet MGM has not yet released odds on Rodgers' week one status, but a lot of them have Denver as his second most likely team, only trailing Green Bay. Broncos, by the way, sixth worst odds to win the Super Bowl at plus 6,500. That was before the Rodgers news broke. They now have the ninth best odds at plus 2,000. I mean, they're always smarter than me, Mike. I get this, but if you look at the odds, what team will Aaron Rodgers play for? Packers are minus 175, but the Broncos are at plus 125. Maybe someone wants to put a few bucks here in the Broncos. Yeah, I I mean, I don't understand it either. Like, I'm really having a hard time with it because, like, if I were to bet on any team, I think the Raiders are like plus 800 or something like that, right? I think, I don't know where they are, but I I would bet the Raiders, like at least the Raiders could say, look, we're on the West Coast. We're closer to California than Denver. We're a good team. I mean, we're not great on defense, but you would make us a better defense just by you being here. Well, we can trade Derek Carr back to Green Bay. So we have an asset that would we could replace him with. We wouldn't have to give up as many draft picks because we're going to replace your quarterback. Green Bay gets a good young quarterback that they would have to extend his contract. The Raiders are never going to extend Carr's contract at the 40 million mark. I don't see them doing that. Now, maybe they'll be desperate and do it because they'll fall into the, uh, well, if we don't do it, we're dead. We'll see. But to me, I don't know why the Raiders aren't the more popular team. Now, I think it goes back to Mark Schlereth. And Mark Schlereth had that rumor about, you know, he heard. And Mark Schlereth's not a guy that's going to throw shit out there just to throw shit out. He's not looking for Twitter clicks. I mean, he got it from somebody reliable. It's the old Ben Bradley story, right? You know, you heard the Ben Bradley story about, you know, Ben Bradley gets a tip that, uh, that Lyndon Johnson is going to replace J. Edgar Hoover. So he writes the story. And then the next day that the press conference, Lyndon Johnson announces that J. Edgar Hoover is going to be the director of the FBI for life. And everybody goes after Ben Bradley and says, oh, now you screwed it up, Ben. Now we're, now we're stuck with Hoover forever. And Bradley's reaction was, my story wasn't wrong. It's just that it changed. And I think that's <laughs> right. what I think. I think Slareth's kind of like, maybe it's his story's not wrong, but maybe it changed on the dates. He got it from somebody. Like he got it from somebody reliable. Like it's it's there's not right or wrong because he's not going to just throw shit out there, just throw shit out there. So you know that's why I think this number in the books is moving so dramatically towards him. But I would think the Raiders would be the best chance. I could see Gruden being all in, and I could see Rogers loving Gruden. 
I could see that. I could see the two of them connecting intellectually to be stimulated. He'll do things for them. He'll let them have the lot at the line of scrimmage like he does with Carr, give them three or four plays to get in and out of what he wants to do. I, I don't understand why it's not going that way, but I guess it's not. Yeah, Raiders right now plus 1,000, the Browns at plus 1,000, then a host of other teams. But I'm with you on Mark Schlereth. Obviously, worked in the ESPN. Stink is a great guy. He's not just throwing stuff out there unless he heard it from somebody reliable. One last thought, and we'll take a quick break. This is about the Eric Fisher and the fact the Colts signed a Pro Bowl left tackle, the one-year $9.4 million deal. This guy's a former number one overall pick in 2013, only ever played for Kansas City before being cut earlier in the offseason after tearing his Achilles during the Chiefs playoff run. Colt's going to be comfortable here with Fisher's rehab, which Ian Rappaport believes that they are. He's 30 years old. He's coming off arguably his best season as a pro. And the key here, of course, is he has to protect Carson Wentz. What do you think, Mike? Fisher coming off a serious injury, one-year deal with Indianapolis. Well, I mean, they got to hope he comes back in October. Like I said, I think they're willing to give up September to make sure that they're really ready to go November, December, and January. And they got they signed Sam Tevy, who was a starting left tackle for the Chargers. Not very good, but maybe they can help make him a, become a better player. So, look, I think Fisher, I think this whole schedule today is about where are we going to be in November and December. That's the key fundamental question. It's not how fast we start. It's how fast we finish and how much improvement we can demonstrate through the season. And I think this Fisher signing has that vision in it. It's not perfect for the first game of the season because he's not going to be healthy. But by January the 1st, when he should be in full gear, we go to playoffs and we have to go into Kansas City or we have to go on the road somewhere or play at home. We legitimately have a left tackle. That's not an elite player, but he's good enough we can win with. All right, so that's the story of the Indianapolis Colts. When we come back, a question from the GM Shuffle Mailbag, plus Michael Lombardi's favorite rapper, Drake. Always appreciate your questions here at the GM Shuffle. Go to thegmshuffle at gmail.com. This is from JS. Hi, Mike. I'm a huge Patriots fan. I frustrated that Garoppolo didn't land with the Patriots. In Boston, reports are that Belichick asked Garoppolo to agree to a pay cut, and he declined. With everything the Patriots have invested in Garoppolo in the past, why wouldn't Bill agree to send a second-round pick to the 49ers during draft week and pay Garoppolo the full amount of money owed to him this year on his current contract? Seems like a no-brainer to me. Thoughts? Well, I mean, I think that... that there's no way first of all i think in theory there's no way jimmy could have come back to the the patriots unless he redid his contract but it never got that far and here's why uh here's why because you have to agree to a trade first like if you're the 49ers you're not going to allow jimmy's agent to talk to anybody until you have an agreement on a trade especially since jimmy has a no trade clause so basically what you're going to say to jimmy is look we're going to talk to teams. Once we get an agreement with the team, we'll then let you talk to them if you want to go there or not. So it never got to that stage. The Niners were demanding a first-round pick for Garoppolo. They might have settled on a second. They were asking at draft day. They were asking at least a first-round pick for him. And I don't think that was the case that anybody was willing to pay. So it never got to, let's redo the contract. Let's get there. It never got to that step. Let's, let's get to our pop culture minute then. Because the picture you tweeted out and posted on Instagram immediately, I'm like, all right, more reason why Michael Lombardi is beloved in both countries, the U.S. and Canada, because Canada, one of our greatest exports, is Drake. Drake ruling Billboard's top artist of the 2010s charts. He's named Billboard's Artist of the Decade. Just a dominant run during the 2010s. He banked nine Billboard 200 number ones in the 2010s, six hot 100 number ones. 
But most importantly, you have a picture with him. For those who are unaware of the story, you can check out Mike's Twitter, M. Lombardi NFL, or Instagram as well. This picture is amazing. I mean, I just tell me about when you met Drake. So it's, we're in Indianapolis for the Super Bowl, and Belichick's ho- having a dinner party for a lot of his close friends. And we're up on the, uh, the in this private room at the steakhouse, and I'm sitting there, Millie's to my left, and that young girl who's in the picture, she was to my right. She is Vinnie Colelli's, who is Bill's college roommate's daughter. So she was there too. And so we're all sitting there and Stephen Bell, uh, no, excuse me, Brian Belichick's sitting across the table and I'm facing Brian and Brian says, oh my God. And I'm like, what's the matter, Brian? Oh my God. Oh my God. And I'm like, what's the matter, Brian? And, and that, that's, that, that's, that's, that's Drake. That's, that's fucking Drake over there. So what happened was Drake knew that Belichick was up there. And so he just walked up to the party and, and walked up to the room. And obviously, you're Drake. You get in. I mean, it's Marvin's room, right? It's Drake's room. It don't matter, right? You know, whatever hit you got, I'm coming in with it. You know, Pound Cake, Paris Morton Music, number two. I mean, here I go, right? So here he comes. He comes in there. And literally, you know, he he I, I get up and he's like right behind my chair. And like, I have no idea who he is. I'm dead honest. I have no idea who he is. The young girl, she says, oh, this is Drake. And so then we start talking and then we take a picture together. And I said, come on, we'll go over and I'll, I'll, I'll hook you. And, and then that's when I took him over to Bill. And that's when they had a conversation. He's like, you're my favorite coach. I love watching you coach. You know, he was, oh, he was, he was tremendous. And that's how I got the picture. <laughs> it's such a great story. See the I don't picture. know what I don't understand how I don't understand how Millie didn't get in the picture with what? me. Like, I don't understand it. Like that. That's what I was about yeah, to I, say. She was sitting to my left. Like she was sitting to my left. I don't know why she, usually, you know, she would have gotten in there. I don't understand how that happened, well, but I, I'm glad you cleaned uh, uh, anyway, that up. So then, because the amount of people who text me and goes, Oh, is that Millie? I go, no, I, I, it clearly is a much younger woman. I said, uh, that's not Mike's wife. I'm going to be clear about that. No. <laughs> so it's Vinny Colelli's daughter. It's Vince. It's, it's, it's Vinny and Bill went to Wesleyan together and they've been friends. Vinny does, uh, he does insurance and he's, you know, he's been, since I met Vinny, the first day I met Vinny was the day Bill got his, Bill got the job at the Browns. Vinny came in, he lives in Pittsburgh. So I've known that girl since she was a baby, you know? And, and so then we, we took that picture and then, and that's how it all happened. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny, man. I love that picture. Every time Drake gets mentioned, I'm like, yeah, my man Lombardi, he's good friends with them. Uh, last story for you. Yeah, I went- back to back, back to back, baby. Here I go, you know? <laughs> hey, look, I, I gave you I gave you symbols today. He's got HYFR. So look, I'm doing the same thing. <laughs> Me and Drake, we speak the same language. Oh, absolutely. So um, I went to Little Italy this week uh, just because, you know, I had, a, I had a night and I wanted to go. I had some good food. So I, I took a picture of Umberto's Clam House, the heart of Little Italy, yeah. which is 112 Mulberry Street, which you and I both know. Crazy Joe Gallo murdered uh, 40 plus years ago, now, I think 1972, and immortalized. Was he murdered there? I thought he was murdered in the one in the Bronx. Because okay. there's one in the Bronx. Okay, that's interesting. Because when I walked by, I asked this guy, and I go, hey, Umberto's right. He's like, yeah. and right away, he knew where I was going with it. He goes, oh, yeah, Joe Gallo. But maybe you're right. Maybe it is the Bronx. But there is an Umberto's clan house that I walked by. I'm sure there's somebody that's murdered there. Um, and then I, I got to tell you, these the signs and the pictures, I was dying. There was one shirt that said, not only am I perfect, I'm Italian too. I said, okay, I should get that for Mike. And the other one said, parking for Italians, only like a parking sign. The one said, if you take on my space, I break your face. I said, who is buying <laughs> And then if you ever come to Philly and South Philly and watch people park at South Philly, it's hilarious. I mean, it's unbelievable. It's how they park. It's so good. It's and then the last thing, I took a picture of Mulberry Street because I said, oh, right away, I thought of Donnie Brasco when Al Pacino, his lefty reserve, says, you ask anybody.
anybody, anybody about Lefty from Mulberry Street. In all five boroughs, I'm known. Forgot about it. Like, I try to think of the most identifiable streets. If you say to me Mulberry Street, right away it takes me to Donnie Brasco. I love it. I mean, Billy Joe wrote about it. You know, I mean, it's like, yeah, it's, it, I mean, unfortunately, it's kind of it's shrinking up tremendously. But yeah, what a great spot. What a great, great spot. Then there's a great pizza place down there. I mean, it, it's, I can remember taking my, my two, Millie and I, we got in a cab and we were going down to Mulberry Street to have dinner. I was working at CBS at the time and I, and my kids are really young and we were driving through Chinatown and my youngest guy, Matthew, he's up there, he's sitting in the front seat with me, you know, and he, we were going through and all those chickens were like tied up in the windows of the store. I thought he was going to have, I thought he was going to shit his pants. He's like, he was scared of that. I think he thought we were bringing him to someplace unknown. It's so good. <laughs> Yeah, I had the Cacio e Pepe at this one restaurant, Genso and Gold, something like that. It was it was fantastic. The food is always is great. And then Cannoli King. I had to check out Cannoli King just because the guy's calling himself the king here. I get pretty good cannolis. I mean, not the best I've had. Veneros, I think, is better, but I just like the fact the guy calls himself Cannoli King. Unbelievable. Uh, one more thing, one more pop call. Sinatra's prom desert home. So it's his hideaway. So he has this place up in, uh, so he had two homes in, because naturally one home's not big enough when you're Frank Sinatra, but he had, but he had this one home in, he had the one home on the golf course. And then up in the mountains, he had another home there and he called it, he called it, uh, a Villa Maggio after this, after from here to eternity. Oh, that's right. The, yeah, right. That was his character. And that home has been for sale and it's only like three and a half million dollars. I, I mean, literally, if you had fuck you money, wouldn't you just buy that? Oh my like, God. If you're Bill Gates or well, not, not Bill Gates. If you're, say you're, say you're Jeff Bezos and you just got all the fuck you money. Wouldn't you just buy that just to say, look, I'm going to walk the same halls as Sinatra. I oh. mean, wouldn't that be the most amazing thing? I always think about Mike. I would like to buy the Sopranos house, which is in Caldwell, New Jersey. It's about 30 minutes from my, maybe even 20 minutes from my house. I would buy the Escalade that Tony drove and then anything Sinatra. Like you said, we've talked to the Palm Springs house, but I'm like, yeah, if I can get that house, just to say it's Sinatra's house, a hundred percent. No doubt. It's so good. But anyway, anyway, it's still for sale. It's uh, 3.25 million. I think it probably needs a remodel. No, I'm sorry. It's 4.25. Uh, it's a hell of a deal. <laughs> we'll start a GoFundMe here in the GM Shuffle. Lombardi, Verk, and all of you, let's go buy Sinatra's house. Thanks for checking out the GM Shuffle. We'll talk to you next week.